the Serious Talk Podcast, your source for all things archery. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. I have the guys from the shop on this on the podcast with us today. We've got Seth and Tyler. What's going on, guys? How's it going, man? Cool. So if we if we sound a little weird today, it's it's allergy season and we're all pretty much dying. I know Seth is, I am. So if we're coughing and sneezing, just ignore it. We don't have a cough button. Yeah, we don't have a cough button. But today what we're going to be talking about is primarily tough head. Uh, we got a couple different topics. First, we want to talk about, if you haven't seen it yet, it's on our YouTube channel. We did a tough head dur- durability test. We shot one tough head broadhead and one serious Apollo arrow into a uh, it was 17 gauge, right, Seth? Yeah. Yep. Into a 17 gauge steel plate 101 times. And the results were absolutely phenomenal. So, um, Seth, what do you think about that test? I know it wasn't very scientific, but I still thought it was a good test. No, it was fun. I mean, we were, we were just doing it for entertainment. Um, certainly, we've been testing uh, earlier in the week, and we'll get into that later, but um, testing out some new stuff. And you were already here filming, and so we thought, well, everybody wants to shoot a car hood, which is you know usually like 20-gauge. 1920 gauge steel and this is a little bit thicker than you would get out of like a car hood it was just for fun it wasn't anything because i know that i've seen a few of the comments where people were asking why aren't you shooting other people's heads as a test too because we're not testing other people's heads we were just having fun and trying to shoot a whole bunch of times through there originally i think we were planning on maybe like 60 to 80 times yeah and then why not 100 and if you're gonna do 100 why not 101 right yeah, of course. You got to do one more than what you wanted to, at least. Yeah, right. It was fun. I mean, we I think we had shot 300 more times and it would have been the same. I think we could have shot that piece of steel with that setup until it was just no more, until we couldn't have any more spots on it to shoot. It seemed like after yeah. 10 shots, we didn't really even see any difference in how the broadhead looked. I remember it seemed like around the... Tyler, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was somewhere around in the 30s I don't know um, what it hit or if we hit it, you know, somehow on the edge of another place where we'd hit, but we got a little bit of that. Um, it wasn't even a whole lot of roll there. It, it came up like a burr. Yeah. came up on one side. Right. And then it didn't change from whatever that 30-something shot through 101. You know, it's just no different the whole time. So, so cool. with, with the damage we saw on that, I mean, I would say that that head is completely repairable. Like that's that head could be hunted with again. Oh, Tyler could take that thing and put it out there on the floor and have it sharpened up in five minutes. I mean, it, there was yeah. nothing wrong with that head. It was a matter of a little bit of edge roll on one side, and of course, it was dull after going through steel that often. But no, there was nothing uh, structurally wrong with that. Probably wouldn't have even lost maybe more than a grain, maybe two total grains on that uh, whole setup yeah nothing nothing too bad that you couldn't take you know you'd probably have to go down to a higher grit st- or a, a lower grit stone than what we would normally see but you know nothing that you know our 300 grit diamond stone wouldn't take care of right away like Seth said i mean it'd be a pretty simple job to get that back in hunting shape there were se- there were several comments about um wanting to see that head resharpened so i think we're gonna have to do that yeah we still, we still got it, so it definitely could be a possibility. Then maybe we could do a hunt with it too. I think that'd be a cool, cool second part to that video. Sure. Yeah, and then all the people who don't like us can say, "Oh, 
He just brought out a brand new egg. Okay, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> there was uh, there was if, one if, guy that if commented. We left it, can... <laughs> what is it? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you can say if if we left the videotape rolling continuously, nonstop, that whole thing, people would have said it was sleight of hand somehow. So it, it, you gotta leave those guys alone. Doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Yeah, there was one guy that commented on like a YouTube short of the of the video, and he's like, "That edge is." There's several chips in that edge, and you're just shooting a sheet of aluminum. Not very impressive. It's like, dude, <laughs> come on. Like, watch the video. Right. There's always something. Well, go back and go back and shoot your rage. They're really tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. What's going on with Tough Head now? I know we've got some really exciting stuff in the pipeline. Oh, yeah. There's some good stuff coming down the down the pike. Um, well, the biggest thing is that we know it is a major frustration when guys are trying to buy heads or they bought some, they go, oh my God, I'm in love with these and they want to go back and buy more and we're out. Yeah. And last year it was, I hate to blame this on COVID, it wasn't on our end. Obviously those, the machine that starts cutting the blanks on that is $750,000. So we rent the space on that and they were supposed to have another machine in and uh, before season and it wound up getting in and installed uh almost six and a half months late from when they had when it was originally ordered and supposed to be put in so that really screwed us for last season so we've cured that this year we started um, getting our blanks on our broadheads dropped out in december and 200s are already plentiful and in stock 150s what tyler you think uh, sometime in the next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure when Connor's going to get this podcast out, but we're working through 150s now, so they'll be the next one up to bat on back in stock on the website here shortly. And that's the 150 single bevel. The 153 blades are also on the website currently with the 200 grain single bevel. Yeah, um, we've got um, the 125s. Those will we'll probably see those in two or three weeks. Uh, to us and then I'd say they're about one month out and the only reason for that is we went back in and didn't really do a redesign so there are no different flight characteristics but we wanted to clean up just some of the tool marks make them a little sexier um, and so by doing that uh, we took a little bit more time this year on those And but they're already in production should see them real soon but we upped our production this year by another 21,000 hits or 7,000 packs. So guys should not have any issue getting the heads that they want this year. So out of, so out of those, you said 7,000 packs. Is that dispersed amongst all of the different weights and varieties? Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's, that's just going to be an addition, too. And then we have... Um, Right now, we have uh, a new three to one that we uh, very sharpening. So hopefully that will be not far off. Uh, we're at the mercy of a different sharpener for those. There's only one place in the country I know that can even do those right now, and we're just at their mercy of getting those done. So that's a painful process. But we've got that. We've got lots of the dangerous game. Coming back, that was a big seller. Um, in fact, I don't know, Tyler, if you were surprised or not, but 
the number of Africa um, setups and grizzly bear setups and things like that that uh, have um, flown in here over the last year, it's been incredible. I would have never thought we'd have gone through as many dangerous game heads as we did. But yeah, you know, definitely. We're just, we've started to become the go to for Africa. Yeah. Dangerous game. We've done a lot of elephant builds, a lot of Cape Buffalo builds. Um, yeah, been really cool. So that one, that one, we up production on. And then we have uh, another three to one. It's kind of a redesign of the meathead that that should be out. Uh, it's got a better steel and super sexy. And so we'll have a three hundred grain screw in on that. And a 225, that'll be a 225 glue on, or we'll chemically bond the insert in, and you'll have a 300 grain screw in. That's good. So, yeah, we did uh, discontinue the 300 evolution because if you're going to shoot the 300 evolution, go for the three to one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, you get a little bit more cutting length, you, um, you're going to get, Really, really good penetration, but the flight characteristics are just amazing on that three to one and the three hundred. So, um, and the the big thing is when you take S seven and you heat treat it that long, you wind up with a lot of scrap heads. So it was like twenty five percent loss on that, and hmm. we did everything we could to keep those. Those are heat treated; they're not batched on like a lot of broadheads. We'll just throw them in a like a basket. And they get heat treated that way. We try different heat treat methods. They're hung individually. It doesn't matter. That length of it works the the metal. So um, this is just going to be an all-around better experience for the, the shooter anyways. Um, yeah, so it's going to be good. Yeah, a lot of lot of stuff coming out. But yeah, you're right. It's all dispersed amongst all the broadheads. I got you. It sounds like, I mean... I know, but the listeners don't know. There are so many moving parts to get these broadheads to them. It's unbelievable how many steps they have to go through. How we, and, and I don't, you know, everybody thinks that oh, these big companies are making all this money on us. If, if you knew how little we made on broadheads, you'd kind of ask yourself why we do it. <laughs> other than other than love the hunting. Yeah. Because it touches so many hands. It's a very manual process. From the starting of the blank on a $750,000 machine, then, you know, then they have to be blasted, coated with a ceramic coating, out for sharpening. And then when they come back from sharpening, then we hand hone everyone. Um, you came up with that awesome little piece of paper inside that shows every customer side A and side B of their blade and how it went through paper before they ever get it. And that goes inside with it. So, I mean, it's just a very manual process. And, you know, the, the metal is super expensive. Yes. The heat treating is expensive, you know. It's, a, it's just an, ex, it's an expensive, long process. But I want to go back a little bit. Yeah. What Seth is talking about is when you get the broadheads now, you're going to get a little card that is hand-signed by someone that inspected your broadheads, and they're going to take that card, and they're going to cut different spots on the paper it'll say head one side a head one side b so every single broadhead you buy will be sliced on this piece of paper to show you that they're all hand honed sharpened as sharp as they can be ready to hunt right out of the box it's really cool yeah yeah and that and then as soon as we cut that paper they um they get a corrosion resistant 
material put on them to um, keep them corrosion resistant through the first time that guy goes out and hunts with them, then he's going to have to do it. But, you know, just a manual expensive process. And, but we love it. It's, you know, it's fun. Something else we got to touch on. I just thought of it. I see a lot of comments on one of our TikTok videos. that has gone very viral where you're cutting paper with a broadhead. You guys have said that slicing paper like that will dull the broadhead. What's your opinion on that? Well, I can sit there and cut that piece of paper to ribbons and then take another piece of paper and cut it to ribbons. <laughs> so I, I could say that possibly it might on a, a lower grade steel. That is a possibility. Like, uh, you're not going to take you know a softer steel and sit there and just shred paper. People are right about that. But this is S7 tool steel. You know, it takes a really long time. Once, it, once it's sharp, it takes a really long time to dull. Right. So for the people worried, no, we're not sharpening your broadheads and then dulling them by proving that they're sharp. So don't worry about that. No, no. And uh, they come from us hand-honed and really sharper than I would. I, I won't say sharper than anybody else is out there, but as sharp as anybody else is out there. Right. So... We had, and, and it's, that was some feedback that we took from customers. I mean, they, they said, hey, you guys are sharpening these, but they're not, they're not hunt ready, like you said. And we dropped back, and Tyler and I talked and looked at the process and, and noticed that there was ways that we need to make improvements. We went back to the sharpener and said, guys, how can we do this? And they're like, well, we, we need to take a little bit more material off. So you go back, see, when you talk about the manual process, and we got to go back to where they're roughed out. You have to have to make them wider so that they can take more material off to get a better burr and, you know, on down the line. So it's uh, in in that process isn't doesn't happen overnight. I mean, from the time I cut a purchase order for those um, heads to be roughed out to the time we actually get them through heat treat, get them blasted, coated into the sharpener is a 75 day process. Wow. So all these changes you made to the sharpening process, that's from last year, this year, correct? That's that's right. Yeah. We did some stuff. Tyler helped immensely last last year, mid-season, when we were identifying that they were going out sharp, but they weren't going out with the expectation he had for sharp. So there were some things that we were able to correct mid-season last year, um, but it they're fully in effect this year. So if anybody got any heads last year that they were disappointed in the sharpness and uh, or shortness on, I, I apologize for that. Um, it was just a little bit of a, uh, an overestimation of how good we were doing. And I think we were drinking our Kool-Aid uh, too much and people called us on it. And um, that's great. You know, we, we like that constructive criticism because then we're able to, course correct quickly and, and try to get those out. I think we did a good job. Tyler does a really good job with the folks on the floor making sure that, you know, everything goes out of here sharp now. And if they can't get one, you know, crazy, crazy sharp, they set it aside and then he goes out there and takes care of it. Right. So stuff is starting to roll into stock right now. When, when can we expect all of our popular heads to be in stock when, when, when like an all be in stock, you know what I'm saying? I, my hope is that we have everything by May 15th. Okay. Uh, completely, you know, we have some, 
spoiler alert, maybe a launch or two here coming. Um, and those are real soon. Um, then I'd like to have everything that we're going to have for our July rush, because that's the, the big time, July, August, on the shelves May 15th. But we've actually been able to go back and negotiate with the people that are roughing our blanks. Uh, that uh, if we get to a certain sellout point uh, during the year, they're going to go ahead and run another thousand in time in for us. Oh, good. So we have inventory level set that when we hit this point by this certain date, we're not going to have to worry about uh, not having uh, broadheads. Good. We're going to be able to rough them. And that gives us enough time to be able to get them there on the shelf. And if I have to go into the end of the year carrying some inventory, and then we have to do, you know, maybe a small sale or something towards Christmas. I'm okay with that as long as we don't run out. Right. Okay. Well, that's good news. I think everyone will be fairly happy to hear that. Yeah. And it seems like every manufacturer last year, it wasn't just us. If you tried to go to any of the, what we'll call the higher end um, broadhead manufacturers, they were in the same boat. Right. They were sold out of this, sold out of that. Or, because we were getting calls. Do you have any of these 200 gray because everyone's sold out. We're like, eh, no, we're sold out too. So, but not this year. What do you think our most popular head is right now? Tyler, you could answer that. Yeah. Um, I would say it's still probably the 200 Evo single bevel. I think that one's still probably at the top, but kind of alluding to what you and Seth had said and like popularity. I think, um, I think that could definitely be overtaken this year by some of the stuff we might have coming. So again, stay tuned for that because it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Do you think? Uh, do you think most of these guys that are shooting the 200 Evos are using blood rings? Um, I would say it's maybe like a 40-60 split. I think there's some guys that still like just kind of going traditional single bevel, like maximizing that rotation and penetration. But I do think the blood ring addition, um, you know, especially for you know, like whitetail guys, bear, uh, bear hunts, you know, things where you just want to get a little more blood on the ground. I think the blood rings have been, have been kind of spot on for what we've designed them for in that respect. Right. I know I've been a big fan. I, of them. I'm, I'm shooting the, I'm shooting the blood rings for the rest of my life. I mean, it, right. they're designed, they're designed to bend or break out of the way. So they're not going to impede penetration. And, but man, you saw that warthog. Yeah. yeah for those of you who didn't see the warthog short, that, that dude started pouring right, right there, and uh, it seems like everything you hit with the the blood rings uh, leaves a nice trail. And kind of the thing with that is like single bevels get a bad rap because people say, oh, they they don't leave a good blood trail. But sometimes there's a couple reasons for that. Sometimes it's the fact that you took the heart out, and we experienced this a lot in Africa. Didn't we, Connor? We yeah. we took you take the pump station out, and there's no pressure. Um, so they, sometimes they also take, you know, 10 yards or so to start, um, to start bleeding really good. So when you're shooting a single bevel, it, it's that you were not afraid to shoot in places. You may have been afraid to shoot with a two inch wide mechanical before, you know, if you hit uh, a shoulder blade before you were scared to death because you weren't going to get any penetration with it you know, two inch wide, um, mechanical. Whereas with this, I'm not advocating taking shots at any angles, but if you, you get a, a wider margin of error, but when you go right through the, uh, 
uh, right up the front shoulder, right there in the pocket where you're you're aiming for the heart when you take it out, which you may not have been doing before because you were scared of that shoulder. All of a sudden now you have, uh, uh, you've taken the heart out or you've taken out those major arteries on top of the heart and uh, you're not going to get as good a blood trail, but you're typically finding your animal very, very quickly. We're not talking 200 yard tracks. We're talking 40 yard tracks, right? You know, so but with the blood rings, it definitely opens things up uh, and keeps the wound open, which is that's what it's designed to do. It just takes uh, a small notch out of the top and bottom of the wound channel, and it does grab lung tissue as it goes through, and that is helpful too. It's not; it has a burr edge on it, so it it does grab as it goes through a little bit. But that's um, but that seems to only help with uh, you know ripping lung tissue. And uh, we had that on the pigs, man. Those pigs, they're, they didn't go far. Mine definitely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, take two steps between them. I do have to say, I mean, the buck that I shot this year with the, with the single bevel and the blood rings, that was one of the most unbelievable blood trails I've ever experienced on a whitetail. I think you saw the video of that. It was just like a paint bucket. Yeah, your West Virginia buck? Yeah. Yeah, that was just, it was stupid. Yeah. It was stupid. We shot that doe in West Virginia. She went, what, maybe 15 or 20 yards, and she gushed out both sides and didn't oh, take yeah. anything to find her. And that Nyala in, um, in Africa that I shot, you know, it did go probably about 80 yards, and it was gushing on both sides. So I, I do think they make a difference. For sure. So for the people that are on the fence of should I shoot blood rings or not, we're a fan. We're a very big fan. We're not just saying that because it's our product, of course. I mean, we've done the testing. We've shot animals with and without them, and they do very well. Yeah. Yeah, a deer-sized animal. You know, here, here maybe this is a caveat. If I'm going to go hunt moose, I think I'm going to change my thinking a little bit, only because I do need uh, a pretty deep penetration on a moose. Right. Um, I think I... Just and it probably would make zero difference because they are designed to break and get out of the way. But I think on moose, I would probably, uh, or you know, if I was going to hunt Cape Buffalo with it, something like that big bone, big body, or what to see, or buff, you know, American bison, something like that. Um, definitely not necessary. You also have a little bit more time on those animals to make uh, a good shot placement, right? So, you know. Deer, I wouldn't go without them. Oh, no. Not not now that I've experienced what they can do, for sure. Yeah. Just a little tiny piece of metal on each side makes, it, you know, makes such a cool difference. And they're replaceable. They don't, it doesn't trash your head. That was a big thing, right? Like a of lot course. of people that have bleeders, they're, they're fixed to the, to the blades. And so when you shoot them, if, if the bleeder breaks, you kind of throw the head away because now you're going to have a, blade that has more weight on one side than the other these you just pull them off and you you get six practice washers to to weight them exactly the same so so you don't have to tear up your target it just goes behind your field point or you can shoot it with your broad head right behind your broad head right. and it gives you the exact same weight as if you were shooting a blood ring so no reason not to right exactly exactly well is there anything else you want to add for the listeners about um tough head production for this year or anything like that no, 
Um, they're just going to come out super sharp and a whole lot of them. That works for me. They should go watch your video that you put up though yesterday because that discount's only good to the end of March. Yeah, this, so this podcast goes out on Monday, which is, here I'm looking at the calendar. Monday is the 27th. So pretty much you'll have until the Friday after this airs. Five days. Yep, five days after this airs to use that code. So go watch the video. It's on our YouTube channel, Sirius TV. Um, it's Tough Head Broadhead versus 100 Shots at a Steel Plate. It was fun. Yep. All right, guys. You got anything else? Don't think so. Cool. No. All right. If you want to pick up some serious arrows, use the code SeriousTalk10 to save 10% on your first order at SeriousArchery.com. And we will see you guys on the next one. Yeah, man.